Speak softly loud So no one hears us but the sky The vows of love we made We live on till we die My life is yours And I'll be cold You came into my world with love Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. I can't wait to do these recordings each week. I feel like I know all of you. I hope you're feeling the same way. We've had a request to discuss some of my mentors. So we're going to create a new series where we are giving you one of my mentors a month so we could spread them out over the next 10 years while we're on very <laughs> successfully. <laughs> I'm very optimistic. Apparently these people thought that you had a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Is. But, uh, you know, bringing that up, I did. So my, my first mentor, I'm taking him chronologically in my life. Mm-hmm. So what you all are going to hear, you're going to hear the first mentor is Carlo Gambini. My second Gimbino. <laughs> I was like, where is that Where's my tongue here? <laughs> That's good. They'll leave it in. Who cares? They, they know I'm an illiterate. Oh, I don't Carlo like Gambino is the first one. Frank Costello is the second. And, well, we'll, we'll, we'll say to you where we're going. Yeah, it's we'll gonna see be where great. we go with it. No but they're being, oh, Mylansky is the third one. I know that already. Mm. So that's what you have look, to look forward to. And uh, we're going to throw it to our legally... Mr. Patrick Picciarelli, good evening, sir. Good evening. How is everybody? Everybody's good. good. Okay, I am the uh, resident historian. Wait, I got to gonna... introduce gonna... the young lady. <laughs> yeah. Maggie Duran over here. What? <laughs> you gave oh, her gosh, a new name as you did Uncle the people. Well, I'm sorry. playing with you all. I know. I know. Hey, okay. why not? Anyway, I'll give you the early background of this guy, which, uh, you know, I knew a little about Carlo Gambino, and, you know, I'm a... a mafia aficionado, so to speak, but there were things uh, involved in my research that I didn't know. Uh, He was born in uh, 1902 uh, and came here to this country in 1921 as a stowaway. What I didn't know was he was already a made guy. He was a made guy. Oh, yeah. See, what happened, only his older brother wasn't in the family. The Gambino family is one of the oldest crime families in Palermo's history. Apparently. I where mean, he to came be made from. at 19 years old? Yep. He was made. Wow. When he came here, it's interesting, when they sent him here deliberately, and my, my, my great uncle, Angelo Russo, they sent him here to, to join the Maseranis, Joe Maserani, because he was getting brutal with the people. And okay, so your uncle uh, was like a uh, facilitator, so to speak. Well, not no, but he was he he was in that family over there, an okay. elder. So when that they he he was responsible, Angelo Russo, to sending Vito Genovese here, Frank Costello here, and Carlo Gambino here. So all right, you have uh, quite the family tree there. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> thank God. So uh, here he is, and you know, the houses that he moved into back in the day, he really never left. Uh, tw- uh, tw- uh, excuse me, 2230 Ocean Parkway, was home in Brooklyn. He died out of there. Well, he died in Massapequa. But I mean, there's some home, but that's his real home. Yeah, yeah, yeah the other home. Yeah. yeah. The other home, he lived at 34 Club Drive in Massapequa, 
And, uh, you know, he was a young guy, uh, relatively uh, not wealthy. I mean, he just came here. He was involved in a little bit of, you know, crime, street crime and all. But he became an extremely wealthy man. I mean, it, his, his family at, 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 uh, at Carlo Gambino's death said was pulling in about $500 million a year in all their enterprises. And he still lived in the same two places oh, that he, he lived when he first got here. He was a very unassuming guy, but not to be confused with the word unassuming with weak and pliable. No, no, no. This guy was a, was a tough guy for obvious reasons. Anyway, in 1932... He's uh, 30 years old. He marries his first cousin. Exactly. A Castellano. Yeah, yeah he marries, he marries, he marries into the Castellano They used family. to do that a lot. The Blue Bloods do it in Europe, do it. Hmm. He, yeah, married, he, he married into the Castellano family. He married the sister of Paul Castellano, who would uh, later be uh, named as uh, Carlo Gambino's successor. When, uh, when Gambino realized he didn't have much time left. No, let, let, me, let me confirm that because... What you said, Castellano's sister would be named Paul Castellano. Was named. Yeah. Yeah. No, but let me let me give you a little more background on that. See, yeah. when he got here to this country, the Castellanos took him in. His cousins. They had a small trucking outfit. Yeah. And that's when he started, and he got involved with them. I mean, when you think of fifty years, Carlo Gambino was a mobster for fifty years. And he only did 22 months for tax evasion like everybody else. How they catch him. Yeah. But, I mean, he uh, I know so much about this family because of the intertwining. And that's why, as we go back into the story you and I wrote of my life, that's why Doros Barone, he said to look after this kid. And even that time when we meet Costello on the street, and once he says, who's Angelo Russo to you? See, Angelo Russo was hung in Sicily in 1947. That's a, he was in a very high anarchy in mob. Mm-hmm. And very, Do you know well, why he was hung? Uh, yeah, I think like 40-something murders and everything else. Oh, I mean, wow. They, they finally yeah, got that, that, yeah. <laughs> I know. They finally caught up to him. Yeah. yeah. But no, but they, that's when they were trying to... Get rid of all the, you know, the La Cosa Nostra and the Black Hand. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we all see how that worked out. Yeah, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can hang just so many people. You know? Yeah. These yeah. guys have sons. And, and that's what it's about. Yeah. But, well, uh, there, that's all it's about. I mean, the, the, the old world uh, system still works over there. Uh, it doesn't work over here, no. obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why uh, but, when, when you start talking about Paul Castellano getting the position, by that time, they already saw what was going on. Now, Jago Hoover flipped. He can't say no. There's no more cause on Astro. After yeah. the Keith Halver trials and all of that, and all the rats that came out, that's when they implied finally the RICO Act. So that's why he wanted Paul. Paul Castellano was a multi-millionaire in the poultry business and Western Meats. That was his cousin and a big earner. And how he appeased the old-timers, he kept O'Neill de la Croco as his underboss. And that's who John Gotti, not playing by the rules, he thought he was shunning him. They already made that decision. O'Neill was yeah, Way already, before he died. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this was a sit-down meeting. I mean, when you sit and revolve and, and think about 
the Appalachian crime meetings, that was an organized business meeting. Happened to be all gangsters. But they went up there to see how they're going to cut up the drug and gaming business in 1957 for the other families. This was a, like a business meeting because the Bananos and, and, and Genovese were pushing to sell drugs in New York. It never happened. And they wanted to make that decision. So, I mean, uh, and that was Genovese's demise. You know that. Yeah, the Appalachian meeting and, and drugs, but he uh, the drugs he, made him he, though. He became he became weak, and Carlo Gambino just moved in. Well, he, not only did he become weak, he, he he really wasn't weak. He just wanted the greed, the money. So he was plotting with two other families, Bonanno and Papacci, to kill Gambino. I don't you think the Appalachian meeting uh, uh, made him look a little foolish? Gambino? No. Genovese, oh, oh yeah, he's he thought you know they, they have a right. What's funny? It was uh, what's the name's kid up the ranch, Barbera's kid. The yeah. kid's going around town, uh, renting rooms, buying a hundred pounds of steak. Yeah, but, in that small town, you figured he in would that go to small Albany, town. Yeah, hello. Get this stuff. Should, should have drove out and got out of there. So the state <laughs> yeah, well, police started following him already. Oh. No, I mean, that was such out. an embarrassment. But that's why the Appalachian meeting is going to come into the uh, Carlo Gambino store because that's where he uh, ascended to power. But Gambino, even as a a young man, was a very shrewd guy. And he he was he knew he had to bide his time. You know, I think when when we're looking at the current mob, everybody's in a hurry. Yeah. You know, uh, to, to, to do something, make a lot of money, make a name for themselves. He was willing to wait. I think he foresaw that this was going to be an empire. And he was going to be the head of it if he had to spend 50 years in it, just getting it stronger and making himself more of a uh, 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 in power. That's what he was going to do. But it see, even more mob. so. It wasn't about himself. No. And the bottom line, he was following orders from Sicily. He had elders over there pulling the puppet strings. And they yeah. knew where they were going with it. Well, there was something new. They got a foothold in uh, the United States. Might as well do it right. Right. Uh, well, well they saw but, they they saw how, how what's her name was doing it, and they they felt you know they gotta control this before they blow it all. So, well, Gambino winds up becoming part of the Joe Messeria organization right. in uh, 1930. Uh, well, Joe Masseria, if you remember The Godfather, the movie, mm-hmm. Joe Masseria was portrayed by the guy with the white hat and the white suit walking around town like Don Cheech. Yeah, that and was supposed to be the Masseria character? That's the Masseria character. Oh, okay. And so what they did, they deliberately brought, sent Carlo over, then Costello over, then Vito Genovese. Their whole thing was to take that family over and divide it into five families and not give one person the power anymore because he abused it. Hmm. And he was beating up, I mean, not beating up, but he was robbing his own Italians and taking graft from people when he was supposed to be helping them. Well, that was the black hand. That's how it started out. Yeah. You know, you, sh- you, you shake down your own people. These people don't speak English. They're immigrants. Right. Half of them are here illegally, or if not all of them. Where are they going to go? Well, that's why the Gambinos in Sicily said, we got to correct this before we blow it all up. And that's how that happened. Hmm. Well, apparently, uh, uh, Masseria's main uh, rival was uh, Salvatore Maranzano. Right. Uh, and it was a, there was a lot of problems, and uh, uh, Masseria plotted 
to get uh, 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 Marizano out of the way, which started the uh, Castelmarese War. Yeah, which lasted which lasted quite a few years. And they were finding uh, they people to get in rid of what they the called back in the day the uh, mustache peats. Yes, who were steeped in tradition, opera lovers. Oh, uh, didn't want yeah. anything to do with anything else but gambling and prostitution. A little hijacking here and there, a little loan sharking. But they didn't want to advance the organization. And these young guys, uh, Gambinos, Bugsy Siegel, Frank Costello, uh, Maya Lansky, they wanted... Well, that came later. Bugsy and yeah. Maya came much later. They already had this in control. Yeah, but the, well, the first thing they had to do was get uh, Maranzano out of the way. Right. And once Maranzano was out of the way, Mazzaria was very pleased with uh, Carlo Gambino for getting him out of the way. Little did he know He's next. that now Gambino <laughs> and all his cohorts are plotting to get Masseria out of the way. Exactly. Which, which they did. And once they got the two old guys out of the way, the Casamalosti's war ended. And now they start the organization as we know it today. Yep. Smart, created, smart people. Created a business, Gambino, right. Bright guy. No. But uh, it, it was crazy because as 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 we're reflecting on these younger kids being aggressive, John Gotti was in such a hurry, thinking that Carlo Gambino slapped O'Neill De La Croca in the face by not appointing him because he was already the underboss. But he, he was very pleased of being the underboss and the street boss. He didn't want to run businesses. He liked the flash and being out there. So he well, was, yeah, he, he was he was old he was old school mafia. Exactly. And that's, somebody says the, the boss says this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's going to be. No, but well, not he, only, but he he understood the old timers around here, and, and out of Sicily, he got his marching orders, and he accepted it graciously. Gotti saw that it was his move, like you pointed out. He wasn't yeah. going to wait, and he did that without any sanction. He, he went to nobody to get permission to take up Paul Castellano. He would never he get basically it. basically started the downfall of the American mafia. Exactly. It did. It's done. Well, well, yeah, it's done. It's, it's, it's gone. But, I, you know, Gambino uh, realized when they were going to get rid of uh, uh, Maranzano first, he was smart enough to send five Jewish guys up there to do it. I mean, he didn't use Italians because he figured they wouldn't get into the office. Yeah, my, that's where Hyman Roth and all them came in. Yeah, yeah. Well, this guy's no, he yeah, didn't. they were disguised as, as, as cops. Right. They weren't Italian. So Maranzano lets him in the door and he was stabbed and shot and strangled. Right. They made sure they did the job well. Right. They got rid of him. Well, there's a lull coming from you. Why is that? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, after, well, after that, uh, after the death of Masseria, uh, now they're all gone. Gambino and his cousins became soldiers in a family headed by Vincent Mangano. Yep. And they, uh, uh, they, you know, d despite the, the uh, uh, power fight, uh, Albert Anastasia was uh, named as the underboss of the Mangano family without any opposition from anybody. And once again, Gambino was biding his time. Well, Gam see, but Gambino and and they were they were already putting together. That's when Albert, the older brother, took over. And, and he he went with Maya and all of them, Louis Lepke. They created Murder Incorporated, so they had an outside force there. Albert Anastasia, with Carlos Masalas in New Orleans, created the International Longshoremen's Union and took over all the waterfront from San Francisco to Canada. Hmm. Every boat on the, all those peripheries of ocean were theirs. That's how they made so much money.
Well, you know, I think that uh, Gambino during this time would have come up a little faster. Uh, uh, but 1937, that's when he did the 22 months. Right. For income tax evasion. Income that tax slows evasion. the process down. Then, right. the, then then, the war starts after he gets out. And uh, uh, Luciano was was the big guy then. He wielded, he, he had all the docs. Right. He goes to prison for for basically pandering. That For those of you who don't know what that, that's a pimp. I don't know. He's a pimp, oh. allegedly, that was visiting his own houses of prostitution, which is ridiculous. He'd never go to these houses for right. what? They I mean, to, to, to pick up money. They couldn't get him any other way, so they they sentenced him for pandering, thirty to fifty years. I know. He gets, which normally is a six month to a year rap. He gets thirty to fifty years, but that, as we all know, that wasn't the end of Luciano. But this is where uh, uh, Gambino starts to flex. Right. But uh, no. by, by the mid nineteen fifties, anyway. By the mid nineteen fifties, Gambino already Maya, they already created the syndicate. <laughs> yeah, well, prior to that, but they were they're getting a little flack from uh, uh, Frank Costello, who was also flexing his own muscles. Right. Uh, 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 well, he was but, one of the Genovese family. Yeah, at that time. Genovese, Genovese wanted Costello out of the way. That was after uh, when he got out finally. Yeah, yeah. He wanted well, his family back. Yeah. But well, well, they set uh, him up. They set up Genovese. Paul Castellano, not Paul, I mean, uh, Frank Costello and, and uh, Carlo Gambino set him up with the Puerto Rican drug deal. Yeah, that was that was something. There's been rumors around for years. Well, I know that to be true. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it but does with the other rumors, like the police set him up. But you know the point is, how did they get, I understand, I don't know whether this is true or not, that he was caught with heroin in his house. Yes, they is put that it true? there. They planted it there. And what kind of... What kind of prosecutor would say, oh, yeah, this is a legitimate bust. Yeah, he's keeping 25 pounds of heroin in his house. I mean, but I, I, granted, they wanted to get rid of him, and I understand that, so he goes away. But I didn't know it was Costello and uh, yeah. and, and his people that set him up. Well, he must have been pissed. No, Costello <laughs> and Gambino set him up. Oh, oh okay. Hello. Hmm. But that was in the, uh, the, the, the mid-1950s, but then right. Appalachian comes, as we were talking That's about 57, before. That's yeah. In 1957, and some sharp state trooper, I don't know how sharp you have to be when there's, you know, uh, 30 black Cadillacs going through your, your your town of 400 people. And Packards you know. and everything else. It was so stupid. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was black cars. Where are these people coming from? And plus, you know what you were saying, they ordered all the food uh, and everything from the town. The one hotel was packed with gangsters. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't take much to figure out. I guess they thought they were immune. This one uh, state trooper, he, he was a sergeant. He said, well, let me take a ride up there. You know, take some of my guys. Uh, uh, Barbera's house apparently was way off the road. Right. They had to go through these wine. They get to the house and they see all these cars. They didn't really know what they had except a bunch of gangsters. The problem was, from the gangster point of view, everybody ran. Uh, it, it was embarrassing. You know, oh no! It was like it was like a, a gang that couldn't shoot straight. It was like a comedy. Why did they run? Because they didn't want to be caught. They didn't know what they were coming in with, and they didn't know who was setting them up. Yeah, I think Cooler Head should, should have prevailed. Like they had excuses once they were caught. Yeah, Frank but Barbera, but the other uh, the other problem that they were thinking maybe they're being set up by somebody to be killed. Well, and a these, bunch of cops and radio cars. Well, you can't you can't get cops and radio cars. You just said. Oh, yeah, but, you just said I, they killed the other guys. They were dressed as cops. They were all Jews. 
yeah, Hello. yeah, I know, but, but, but you know, regular radio cars, Mark cars, that's kind of silly. But they all had excuses. Barbera, oh yeah, uh, was sick. He was sick. We see, came to visit him. They, they went to see see Barbera bring him a sandwich. Yeah, you know what? Whatever kind of silly excuses they had. But the end result of uh, one of the uh, biggest events in mafia history that people are still talking about today. Obviously, we're talking about right. it. Nothing happened. No, nobody got arrested. No, no, no. Well, they, they got arrested. Well, nobody, I mean, just some misdemeanor bullshit. Yeah, no, but the, weren't even indicted. But you know, I tell you right now, I would, I would not be sitting here if it wasn't for that. That's when they stopped meeting personally and had messengers. And Costello was smarter than them all because he took this 13, 14 year old gimp kid, no, <laughs> no police record. Smart. And he used me for, used me, I love that he used me for 22 years. <laughs> yeah, but who's going to stop you on the street with a pocket full of money? I mean, that's they're what not I'm saying. You. That's what I'm saying. That's why he did it. They all had decoys then. Some you used know, women. Was, but, and then when, they when weren't I, meeting in public, in, in private place. They were meeting in public hotels, known hotels in three major cities. When I was a young cop, they used to have. A, a board, it's like a bulletin board in the uh, muster room where you stood the roll call every day and it was a shade, like a window shade, pulled over the board. So when I first got to the precinct, fresh out of the academy, I said, what's behind the shade? And the cops are looking around, I said, that's where we, we keep all the KGs, pictures of the KGs. I said, what's a KG? So that's a known gambler and they lift up the shade and it's every Italian that ever lived yeah. In, the, in the Bronx. I mean, all, they had the hierarchy of the mafia with arrows and flow charts, but uh, they didn't have your picture there. No, I was, I'm not, oh. I'm not a made guy. I'm not, I'm not well, a gangster. Not either. only that, not no. only that, you were 13 years old. I know. And, and, right. and, and this is, this is my point. You know, uh, Costello did the right thing. He did the smart thing. Yep. He, he used you as a trusted Corey. Obviously, he trusted you. Well, instead I, of having, well, see, coming, who, coming from Italy, my cousin's background, vouching for me and these guys being appreciative they thought i was already cut from that cloth yeah and, and when they sat carlo gambino and frank costello they got a message don't ever make this guy we do not want to make we leave him that way that's why i still wander around with certain people because anybody can hang out with me anybody can talk well, to me mm. while these cops are looking for the the guys that have their pictures on a wall in the muster room of precincts you're walking around with 15 grand stuff in your pocket. I know. Delivering it for, yeah, I mean, it, it was a smart move. No. And, and I mean, everything about it, because when I reflect on, well, I don't even want to talk about Costello. I wanted to stay with Gambino, because Costello was another request from somebody. But these guys were so smart. I mean, I know some, I mean, they may, like you were pointing out, they were, call himself, and, his, and that wasn't even his peak. He was making $500,000 a week. Yeah, oh my still God. lived in the same house. Still drove. Didn't even That's drive. It. You the don't same beat up you old car. You don't jolt. You don't make flash. He was basically when I talked to Mario Puzo, the three Godfathers were combined into one, and the image, the exterior image for the Godfather was Carlo Gambino in the garden. He had his tomato plants. He did all that, and it's and the other guy. For the olive oil was Joe Pofacci. He owned Pofacci and and um, Calavita olive oil out of Sicily. That's they were the one of the one of the biggest oil importers in the country. Yeah, 
And the other guy who had all the politicians and everybody else, union leaders, was Frank Costello. And he combined them into make Dunkle. The one guy. He made Dunkle. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm thinking too bad uh, John Gotti didn't read the book. Maybe Hello. he'd be a free man today. He watched the picture, too. He, he forgot yeah. that, too. This is a secret organization, John. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> but you know, it's funny because you would think he would learn from Joe Colombo. Because Joe Colombo, he started picketing the FBI buildings. And that was in 1969 and 70 when the Godfather book came out. And they called him in. And they reminded him, Joe, you're in the mafia, not the Boy Scouts. This is a secret organization. You're picketing. But they're, they're treating us unfair. He said, don't worry about it. You know, ego surpasses everything. More people have gotten in trouble. Not only gangsters, everybody gets in trouble because of ego. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's, everybody has an ego, but if it's inflated, somewhere along the way, you're going to get screwed. And with these guys, it's dead or time. Yeah, and see, and with me, I, I was wondering, even like, uh, and it, 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 it cuts to me, and you know it, well, all of us know my story. How bright was Carlo Gambino? And I mean, his, I have nothing to do with this guy. I didn't know that my uncle sent him here. He knew I was in Bellevue on that floor and told his niece to take after me. Look oh, that me. was his niece? That was his niece, Dolores Barone. I didn't know that. Dolores Barone was Gambino's niece. Maybe we should have mentioned that in the book. No? Well, we were told not to. <laughs> I oh, think we did. Well, no, but, and then I can't that, remember if he did or not. And the funniest thing no, is didn't. that when she brought me that transistor radio, they used to use this line in the neighborhood all the time. It fell off a ship. Because they right. would they would drop a container, everybody was happy. The guy who was shipping it picks up his insurance from shipping it, and everybody in the neighborhood had transistor radios. Nice. They did that. But, you know, that's that's getting back to what we started talking about. Carlo Gambino had the big picture in his head. He wanted to build an empire, not for him, but for the organization. Yeah, he was building it for know, the, the family. The, the Gotti. The Gaudis of the world, the Joe Gallows of the world, everything was centered around them, not the organization. Yep. They didn't give a damn what happened. They wanted to get the publicity. They wanted to make the money. And eventually, the House of Cards has to crumble if you have that attitude. Oh, yeah. And Bino had the foresight at the inception to do that. Well, that's why even this kid, uh, John Calley, that they, they killed the last year by accident, not, had nothing to do with it. was a domestic thing for his niece. Yeah. That, that guy was being groomed in Sicily, man. He had to he, be a uh, Carlo he, Gambino too. He came here made. Yeah. And he came with two other guys. Those two are still around very quietly. Well, you know, not only that, but uh, how much time did, did he have uh, as head of the Gambino family when he was killed? He was already like three to four years. I never heard of the guy. That's right. That was the new thing. Give well, some the way, well, actually, that's the old thing. I mean the old thing. Right. No, but I'm saying <laughs> because... It's the old that, thing, but in this case, it was the new thing. Now but, it's new. But that, yeah. that's what happened. I'm saying new to get away from the Gotti image. Right. Trying yeah, to steal right. the cameras and all that. Yeah. Go back to the old. It's new now. Go back to the old. Mm -hmm. And that's why Chicago taught us a lesson, and then it backfired on them. Because um, Joe Batters, Tony Accardo, he put, what's the name in front? And he was never the street guy. He was always the, the, the Lord that you come back to and answer to me. 
But what, oh, yeah. what's his name? Yeah, the guy that got whacked in his kitchen making sausage and peppers. Because that, that, he, that I remember, forgot his name. No, but the bottom line is, mm. he got whacked because he couldn't control um, the ant. Uh, what was his name? Spilatro. When he yeah. sent him out to Vegas to run all the operation, he picked him and sent oh, him that out was a there. Mistake. Yeah. And then when he couldn't control him, they said, call him in. They said it once, twice, three times. Then they went and whacked him. And that was the end of it. Sam Giancana. Hey, Giancana, yeah. yeah. Anyway, get, get, you know, getting back to uh, uh, to Carlo Gambino, he becomes the boss after Genovese goes to prison. Right. He just uh, made his way in, and uh, he despised drugs, uh, no matter how lucrative they were, and the punishment... Dealing in drugs in the family was death. So at the time in the 1960s, the Gambino family had 500 soldiers and a thousand associates. It was the biggest family in the country. Oh, and yeah. they're even they even got bigger than that. I don't know how big they are now. I, I imagine they're on the downside now. Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I, I would assume so. I don't know. You know, they're talking about uh, uh, inbreeding uh, amongst families. Carlo Gambino's oldest son. Thomas married Tommy Lucchese's daughter. Right. To further cement. Now, now Tommy Gambino was the uh, garment district guy, right? That's his son. Yeah, Tommy. He had the union. Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 only, looked, he did three or four years, came out. I know Tommy. He lives a block away from here. Looked just like his father. I'll show you a picture of him. I mean, fact, scary. He, both of you that are sitting here now, mm -hmm. didn't know he came to say and give me my regards at the book signing. I'll send you the picture. <laughs> Really? Yeah, he must. Uh, now that's a guy who listened to his dad. <laughs> oh yeah. Know, keep a low profile. That's it. When, when, when he got jammed up in the eighties and, and the nineties, was no fault of his own. They were cleaning up the garment district. Well, not only that's what I'm saying. Stool pigeons yeah. got him. They would have never. Got yeah, him. but they, they they were parading him around. Uh, you know, the, the law enforcement. You know, and you could tell he the last thing he wanted was his picture taken. No kidding. But anyway, in 1963, uh, Gambino was the head of the most powerful family. Of the five families, Joe Bonanno decides he wants to take him out, Tommy Lucchese and uh, Stefano Magadino. And Joe Bonanno wanted to be the boss. And we know how that turned out. Well, he wanted uh, to be the boss because he, he he was the one that was pushing the drugs. And he knew yeah. the wealth out of Sicily. Yeah. And they, they, and they said, go to Sicily. And he said, can I go to Arizona? And they said, you can go to Arizona and just stay there. <laughs> Well, th this is when, you know, the thing we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, Joe Colombo got wind of this and went to Gambino. I know. He told him he told him what was going on. That's how he got the family. If he didn't do that. There would be no Joe Colombo family. Yeah, but I, I can imagine, it, that you know, uh, Bonanno was taking out the three major mob guys yeah. and he would have been successful. It's yeah. like uh, yeah, the like, end of The Godfather when Michael... Right. Was the heads of the five families. And I can see Pujols thinking he was taking bits of history. Yeah, and from, and, and stuff that was already established and, and real. Even with the Vatican Church. He got so close to what we were doing with the Vatican in real life that, you know, it was like, scary. Who's talking to this guy? Yeah, well, you know, they were good. Uh, one thing I also didn't know was that uh, Carlo Gambino came very close to being deported. Of course. Because, you know, he, he was a stowaway. He was they a They waited stowaway. all these years to deport this guy, and uh, they they got the deportation order. 
Carlo gets a heart attack. Exactly. It was a legitimate heart attack. No, I know, but yeah. they were going to try to. Legitimate heart attack. They were they were going to try to do the same thing that they did with Marsalos. What's the name? Um, Robert Kennedy. He deported him, and I was there at the barbecue that afternoon. And he said, "You're a dead man." He said, oh, "You're threatening the attorney general." He said, "I'm not threatening you. I'm telling you, dead." Yeah, he was pissed. <laughs> no, well, he did it. He waited on a Sunday afternoon when he had all his family and kids there, and that was like the biggest thing in the world with this guy, his family. Now, do you, do you know the name of the ship that he was stowaway on, Carlo Gambino? Uh no. S.S. Vincenzo Florio. That's right. the name of the ship. Someone, you know, that's that's a good conversation for a uh, if the conversation gets so long. And he didn't come bar. here. By know. the way, do you know uh, what ship Paolo Gambino <laughs> came over on? But the interesting thing is, even being a starway, he was so smart. He went to Norfolk, Virginia, and came into New York. Yeah, that, yeah he would have got. He, he, you know, coming in through uh, Ellis New Island York might have got him caught. Yeah, with the name Gambino. <laughs> you think? Yeah, right. <laughs> Or they, they probably would have screwed it up and named him something else. And that's why his allegiance to the Castellano family, because they set that all up from him here. Then he, put, he he was driving trucks for them for a while just to get established, and then they called him into New York when they were ready for him. No, he, I mean, when you talk about a guy that's, a, I mean, and, and a gentle soul, I mean, they, they weren't like these buffoons that are running around now. It's crazy, you know. But he was tough when he had to be, obviously. Oh, my God. Stay in power no. all those years. Well, this guy. No, I mean, he, I mean you know, the dynamite comes in a small package. <laughs> I heard that. Did you ever socialize with him or, or not really with him? I, 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 I was in this company so many times. I had a respect, just out of respect, no other reason. After I was done at McNaughty's Bakery, I slept for a while. There was like four or five, six. He came into the neighborhood around nine, ten o'clock. He always went to Ferrara's on Grand Street for coffee because he felt the coffee machine in the Ravenite was too bitter. So I used to make it my point just to go pay respects. You knew where I was. Yeah. Because I knew what he did with Dolores. And I knew indirectly. I didn't say, thank you for the transistor radio. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that. You know, but I mean, it was, it was so crazy because when I left there that day, to see that Logorna from Sicily with the hunchback on it. Yeah, yeah. If I wasn't visiting him, I wouldn't have saw that. And who knows where I would have went with Costello, because maybe he would have never asked me my name. See, and that it's was all, it's, all, it's all fate. And it's if crazy. anybody's interested, Ferraris are still there, and they make a hell of a They're problem. all there. Yeah. Wow. They're all still, still there. It's there. crazy. Man. I, used to go, I used to go to with my father. Oh, every yeah, was. 60 years ago. You know, it's funny. My grandfather used to carry me into DuPalo's meat store on the corner of Mott and Grand. And that's still there. It is? Still there. Yeah. Wow. So they opened a hundred, uh, um, 18, 1895. Still there. But even the religious store next to Ferrara's. I mean, everything is changing, but there's some key elements that are still there. It's amazing to me. Wow. You know, they're trying to make a lot of those buildings downtown... Uh, uh, historical uh, buildings so they won't get demolished because everybody wants to gentrify the neighborhood. No, I go they, down there very they, rarely, but I feel like I'm really at peace. You I know, mean, it's, it's funny. Such a nice old neighborhood. It's funny we're having this conversation because 
our compadre here called mm-hmm. me the other day, the other night. Yeah, what, it was on Mulberry Street. What, Friday night, right? Yeah, Friday, Friday night. night. So she says to me, we're in Mulberry Street. She said, what are you doing down there without me? <laughs> exactly. Well, what are you doing down there? But she was with Jacob just walking around. Yeah, we walked around and then ended up stopping somewhere to get dinner. It was so, really nice. Where'd you so, go? Where did you go? Do you I, I sent her to Lamella. She said, yeah. where should I go? Right. So she went to Lamella. Gianni's picture was everywhere. <laughs> All over the walls. They had pasta carbonara on there. You nice say, hey, thing. I know that guy. Are you ready for this? <laughs> All respect. They got no check. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was really, it was a really nice used time. To call it heart attack on a plate. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good though. Oh yeah. Well, that cheese. Oh, you're young. <laughs> you're young. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah, when in the restaurant, I used to order heart attack on a plate. <laughs> yeah. After that, I'd lose my appetite. You know. Mm. Well, I hope we answered. The inquiring, inquiring. <laughs> I can't talk to him. I'm still well, drunk from the whole Oh my let's, gosh! No, you're not. Let's leave with with uh, how uh, Carlo left this mortal coil. I mean, he was watching a Yankee game. Hmm. He was watching the Yankee playoffs uh, or the pennant. I should say there were no playoffs back then. October fifteenth, uh, 1976. Yep. And he just faded away. That's the way to go, man. Really? Two thousand people attended his funeral. Oh, my goodness. Including a lot of law enforcement. Oh, my God, yeah. Once again, out of respect. Yeah. I mean, they didn't know. They have to, you know, most of them didn't know the guy. I'm talking to cops, run-of-the-mill cops. Right. You know, from uh, from Brooklyn, from the old neighborhood. They all went. And he just faded away. That's the way Was there ever an act, well, aside from uh, Joe Bonanno wanting to take him out, was there ever an attempt made? No. That nope. you were aware of? No. Nope. I couldn't Never. find any either. No, no. Wow. And that's, uh, Tony Ocado died the same way. Just, just went to bed in Palm Didn't Springs. Wake up. Didn't wake up. These, these guys were so calculated. They even knew how to die. <laughs> that's that's planning. Yeah, that's planning. <laughs> that's I think we better get to the mailbag here. All right, yeah. let's do it. All right, so first I want to share a comment and question from Daniel. Daniel says, hello to you all from London, England. I just wanted to reach out and say I've been following your podcast since day one and actually just finished Gianni and Pat's audiobook version of the excellent Hollywood Godfather. I also wanted to commend Gianni on his audiobook performance and ask him a question if you don't mind. I wonder if Gianni has ever had any interaction with any of the London-based gangsters such as the Cray Twins during his trips to Europe. The Cray Twins were one of the guys I met with a guy called, he'll know him, nobody else, Johnny Tramp at Tramp's. And we we went to a boxing match at the at the Bianco Elefante. <laughs> no, and 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 a good friend of ours was the Humphrey Bogard at Annabelle's. He ran the casino there. I loved it. Is there anybody you don't know? <laughs> well, I'm old. When you get my age, you're gonna have a list like me. <laughs> I don't yeah, know about like you. We'll pe- see. People don't remember who they met. You do. I do. Big <laughs> difference, my friend. Of course. All right. Next one is from Michael. Michael said, Miss Megan, could you ask Mr. Ru- Mr. Russo, our Hollywood godfather, if he knows any mob slash syndicate slash La Cosa Nostra involvement in the U.S. space program or Apollo lunar landings? Not me. Either. Huh? Did you hear that? <laughs> you hear that? I, st- I stuttered on it a little bit, but. No, no, but did I hear that right? Yes. Yeah. What, are they, what is the, uh, the mob trying to, to establish a sixth family on the moon? Any uh, involvement in the space programs. <laughs> Wow, I, I wouldn't an think so. Question. Yeah, I know it was definitely an interesting question. I, I honestly, I don't know if there is or not. I mean, I, you know, to me, not maybe you're uh, uh, supplying parts for something, perhaps. I don't know. But, I don't know. Uh, 
I, I can't see them. Uh, maybe protection the on the maybe protection on the moon. Just in case anybody bothers. Always them. a need. Just in case. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the next one is from Pierre for Patrick. Pierre says, "If you had it, if you had to do it all over again, would you have become a police officer?" Well, if I had to do it all over again in that time period, I came on in '68. I retired in '88. It was a whole different job. The job was more or less reactive. Then they told you to go out and get them before the crimes were committed. Now it's a proactive job where you go after the people after the crimes have been committed. They want to keep everything quiet and calm. I would sooner sell pork rolls in Baghdad than be a cop today. Really? No way. And they're not no respected. Way. It's just, uh, you wonder why there's so many police suicides. Uh, it's, 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 it's an epidemic. They're the bad guys now. And the bad guys are the, are the good guys getting out of jail without bail. It's just a bad scene. I don't know how they uh, how they keep their morale up, to tell you the truth. So the, the, the short answer is no. I wouldn't want to be a police officer today. Mm, okay. Well, I think a lot of that, I hate to say it, I'll say it, I don't care. I have a, a lot of that has been diminished by Bill de Blasio. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, he goes, I mean, he's, he's a mixed married man, and he's protecting his kids. And, uh, but I don't well, know. Well, he's a liberal politician, and that's, you know, it's... Yep. But he doesn't back his cops, and that's a bad thing. Mm. And and yeah, and, doing, it, and we all we all did a show a while ago on the Central Park Five. Yeah, there are more twelve-year-olds and fourteen-year-olds driving in packs in Central Park now at dusk. Yeah, robbing people, and they're trying to keep it down. You well, cannot believe the crime rate. No, the crime spiked. rate has gone up. It has gone up. But They're especially there, because they saw those guys get that something million. I'll go to jail for ten years. Where am I going to go? I'll come out and get twenty million. But with the, with with uh, police officers, firefighters, you know, high value stress jobs. If you're not happy going to work, the people you protect are going to suffer. Yep. It's just a psychological thing. Yep. Nobody right. appreciates me. You're going to do less of a job. Right. Of so course. thank you for the question. All right. Next one is from Tony. For Gianni, Tony asks, I hear you talk a lot of Dean Martin and how nice he was. Is it true, though, that he treated Jerry Lewis very badly? Poof. Jerry Lewis is a punk. Should have been... Forget about it. Jerry Lewis was the guy who was bad. He was yeah. so jealous of Dean's talent that he, he his ego, when he left Dean, he's, I will be the biggest star. And we know where that went. If it well, wasn't it, for his humor... I mean, he's got. The, he should do your homework. If you know Jerry at all, look this guy up—the nastiest little guy in the whole world. Dean you know, didn't care about nothing. He was a gentleman's gentleman, a man's man. Play golf, drink some Daniels, and go to. He loved cowboy movies late at night. <laughs> that's why Jerry Lewis's last official act was to write all his kids out of his will. Right. Really? What, what a guy. Yeah. Oh. Everybody. Real, yeah. real nasty bastard that guy was. I mean, I, I didn't know him. But well, not, no, no. Let, let, let's, let me correct you on one thing. The daughter that he had with somebody later on in life, she got everything. They lived in Las Vegas, no less. Okay, but the son I know got the nothing. The son, no, yeah, both sons got nothing. Yeah, they were very surprised too, yep. when they read the will. They had no idea. Wow. Now that's, that's hate. Nasty, man. How do you hate your kids like that? I know. Jesus. All right. Well, there's that. So the next one is from Helen for Gianni. Helen asks, do you think you'll ever do an international tour? I'm planning on it. Mm, I have it's in the works. Yes, I have an offer from London right now as I sit here. I got an offer this weekend 
to go to India and, and Dubai again. No, I want to do definitely international. I have a big fan club in London. In, in, <laughs> it in, seems in, like it. No, but in Liverpool, when uh, Sina- I went traveled with Sinatra to Liverpool, going one time to the Red Cross Ball for, for Grace Kelly. We went every year. We stopped there because he had a big following. Frank Sinatra, London, uh, Liverpool fan club. Mm. And I went over, the guy who was involved with it, I didn't know, he took, uh, took it over. It's like 600-something members. I don't and know, I, I heard a rumor that, that you were once the fifth Beatle, true? No, no, that's not true. <laughs> okay, that's, okay. I think I can see it. <laughs> I can see it too. Yeah. No, but the thing is that uh, I, I love Liverpool. I really do. Mm. All right, so next one is a, a message from Pat. Pat says, thank you all for putting this podcast together. I have listened to every single show. Gianni has been influential in my decision to start attending Catholic church services again, and he has also wow. inspired me to make the transition from whiskey to vodka. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tr- I'll tell you right now, you're going to be, you're going to remember, whiskey to vodka, okay. I was talking about wine. That's, it, that, mm. you're right there, that's a win-win. Yeah, right? go, hello. He Back said, to God to have a martini. Yeah. There you go. That being said, I would appreciate it if Gianni would share his martini recipe with the rest of us. Mine is very straight. I, I keep it clean. I slice a couple of jalapeno peppers in it, shake it with one ice cube in the, in the, in the shaker, and then drink it slow in the glass itself. I don't fill my martini glass up. I put maybe... Any vermouth? No vermouth. No. Neither. No. I, it's clean. Clean. Uh, frozen glass? Yeah, frozen glass. Frozen shaker, and you ready for this? Hmm. It's Don Corleone vodka, quadruple. What a surprise. Can't get any better than that. No. <laughs> no, that is the best vodka I've had. Yeah. I'm not just saying that. And we, we, get, we you will find out in March, we are going out on our website with all the, all the Godfather products with the backing of Paramount. Now we're distributing in 12 states already. Wow. So that's that's awesome. Right. Yep. Looking forward to it. All right. Next one is from Victor. Victor says, hello, I am from Mexico. I've been with you guys all the way and I'm not going anywhere. As an architect, I enjoy every detail when Gianni talks about his houses and bars, the hidden rooms, stage for the kids, the road below tennis court, etc. Question. I wonder if Gianni knows of any secret passageways or drawers, as well as rooms or compartments of different maid guys or bosses. I don't know. I, I knew one because of Tony Accardo. And, he, you know, I was that close to him. We used to eat down there. It was like a bunker. A little secret room. Yeah. And then there's a guy in Mexico City. I will not mention his name because he's still living in the house. Oh, all right. Yeah, don't give that away. <laughs> he can go in the clubhouse of his golf course and go to his home. They still, they think he's in the clubhouse. He's home. Wow. That stuff's so fascinating. Well, look at all the tunnels. I mean, look at Escobar. Look at, I mean... Uh, Chapa Guzman. Look at the cave they just found last week. I don't know anything um, about well, that. A mile and a half. Yeah, a mile like and a half with a rail in it, train. Wait, and where? Mexico to... Uh, what? Texas. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mexico. But I mean, they, they, they had pictures of it. This was an engineering feat. Right. I mean, it was everything was lined. There was a mile and a half. Pumped in air. That's crazy. God was, they were doing probably a billion a day with contraband. Oh. Oh my God! And they said they some, were. They, some, they, they said they were also smuggling uh, people. people. Somebody made a lot of money turning that that in. Yeah, hello. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know if he's going to spend it. <laughs> well, he's living under an assumed name in Hoboken somewhere or whatever. But Sinatra. that was taking a chance. He right. moved to he moved to Hoboken under the name of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
<laughs> Who's going to notice that? All right. Next one is from Douglas. Douglas says, I have a question that's been puzzling me for years. I worked for Larry Mantranga in San Diego. Good guy. His wife was named Tina. Was Frank Bomancero her dad? He was shot dead in San Diego in the 80s. Do you know anything about that, Johnny? I, I do, but I don't want to talk about the no. I know Bonastero. Are you kidding? Frankie is a great guy. No. All right. No. Um, next one is from Tylee. Tylee asks, what were all of your dream jobs as children? <laughs> dream jobs? Yeah. I still have it. <laughs> I'm a messenger that? for the mob. My first job, <laughs> I signed shoes at LaGuardia Airport. I think I was 11 or 12. But oh, what was you? your dream job? Was that your dream job? I, I have it now. I'm a writer. I always, I always wanted to be one. Perfect. I wanted to be independent. I am. Uh, that's for me being being a writer, being my own boss. It's my dream job. My first job was shining shoes. I wasn't too crazy about it, but I, I made some money. I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Great. Wow. All right, you want another one? Yeah, we'll do one more, then we'll call it a night. All right. Unfortunately. All right, so next one is another funny one. This is from Helen for both Patrick and Gianni. She asks, what's your own personal favorite dish to cook for your significant other? Mine has always been a pasta dish. We love pasta. Mm -hmm. Clams, clams with white clam sauce. Pasta with white clam sauce. That's so good. That's great. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought you guys were going to have, but he didn't want it, I guess. What? When you went down to La Mella, the Oh, yeah. yeah. No, we like our carbonara. I know. I <laughs> All right. All right. Does that come with an angioplasty, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all again. On behalf of Pat, Megan, and myself, thank you for tuning in. Tell your friends we're getting a lot of response. Our fellowship, fellowship, fellowship is building... So you're telling your friends to subscribe. We thank you for that. Yes, thank you very much. God bless. Good night, night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. Each chartered course, each careful step, 